And now, from the News Hub studios in Auckland, it's time for the Fight Club podcast. G'day, guys. Welcome to the Fight Club podcast. Brad Lewis here, riding solo. This week, footy is on assignment, but rest assured, Stephen Foot fans, he will be back on board next week. Just a reminder, the Fight Club podcast is New Zealand's only combat sports slash sports entertainment podcast on the wires and on your digital platforms such as newshub.co.nz and iTunes and any of your other podcast apps. And just a reminder, you can check out all our archive episodes at www.newshub.co.nz forward slash podcasts. Have a look uh, for the Fight Club link there, and you'll check out all of our previous episodes, including interviews uh, with Israel Adesanya, the UFC interim middleweight champion. We've also chatted to a guy like Stephen Thompson, uh, Seth Rollins, WWE Universal Champion, has been on the show. Roman Reigns, WWE superstar of epic proportions. Uh, WWE superstar Bailey has been on the show. We've had Brian Ortega, uh, a ton of UFC, MMA, and sports entertainment talent has been on the Fight Club podcast. Much more to come, of course, over the course of hopefully the rest of your lives. Coming up on the show today, uh, a, a slightly crammed version given the fact that I'm riding solo. Isaac Savage will join me on the show very, very shortly. I caught up with Isaac right after the Deontay Wilder violent knockout of Dominic Brazil in the WBC heavyweight championship matchup in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center on Sunday. Uh, what does that mean for heavyweight boxing? What does it mean for Deontay Wilder? What does it mean for Joseph Parker, for Tyson Fury, for Anthony Joshua? Uh, has the landscape of heavyweight boxing changed uh, with that awesome, awesome knockout win from Deontay Wilder? Just absolutely brutal. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you uh, to check it out. If you're a fan of violence, <laughs> uh, it's probably right down your alley. Isaac will also have a chat to us about a couple of cool events coming up this weekend uh, in New Zealand. Also on the show today, we'll chat about the Southern Rumble. Uh, that's happening in July. If you're asking yourself right now, well, Brad, what the bloody hell is the Southern Rumble? Well, it's an independent wrestling event being held, uh, promoted by SPW out of Invercargill uh, and MCW out of Melbourne. Uh, co-promoted, and a certain WWE superstar will be in attendance. Huge news uh, with an NXT UK superstar will be in attendance at the Southern Rumble event in July at ILT Stadium in Southland. Uh, exciting news there. We'll break that for you uh, in the not-too-distant future here on the Fight Club podcast. But first up today, it's time to chat to friend of the show, Isaac Savage. The Fight Club podcast, the big names. Time now on Flight Club to welcome in Isaac Savage, of course, uh, our resident uh, expert in all things, uh, I guess, the local scene in combat sports. Isaac, how are you doing? Good today, mate. Good, especially after today's fight. Feeling excited. Absolutely. What a crazy, crazy fight that was. And it didn't last very long. Uh, Deontay Wilder <laughs> against uh, Dominic Brazil. Uh, look, I kind of predicted the fight would go this way. Uh, maybe not this early. I thought, you know, Brazil showed plenty of toughness against Anthony Joshua a couple of years ago when he lasted almost seven rounds with Joshua before the stoppage. But 
Man, if Deontay Wilder can land his hands on you, as he's proven in knocking down Tyson Fury, one of only two people in the world to have taken Tyson Fury off his feet, uh, there's not a human being alive. Luis Ortiz is the only guy to knock Luis Ortiz off his feet, and Ortiz is probably the best technical boxer in the heavyweight division. This guy uh, has... Um, grenades in his hands and I can kind of see why I think Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua are kind of dodging him a little bit. Well from the get go you, you saw him come out, he's such a showman, he's got a different costume each time, the smack talk was was off the charts and I quoted him just before he went out, he said look I'm going to knock this fool out and he will not get up and when they went, it was just one of those fights where you really couldn't go away because obviously he ended in the first 51 seconds <laughs> Yeah, crazy crazy, look Wilder uh, just has this awkward style, look uh, you've, you've You've been in the ring, so you're, you've you know you've experienced that that hand to hand combat uh, that I haven't. But I can imagine, and, and Junior Farr mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that Deontay just throws punches from strange angles that guys can't see coming. It's not you know with Anthony Joshua, where you know that his right hand's going to come straight down the middle. You just need to be able to avoid it. But Wilder is not only quick; he's insanely strong, and yeah, he has this ridiculously ugly-looking overhand right. But if it connects, you're going to sleep. Well, you, also too, you would have seen the bird's eye camera shot at the end. That was beautiful. It covered the, every single uh, second of the fight. Yeah. And you just look at the stance of Wilder. His, his feet are so wide, and he does that to control, obviously, his, his COB or his, his, um, his, his balance as well. Yeah. But also, he likes to control the ring, and he puts everything, like you said, into those shots. And you could see it the way his stance was in that fight. He landed that first shot over yeah. the chin of uh, Brazil. That did sort of sit him wobbling, but Brazil came back. But then that second one, that one jab right over the cross, and you could just see it was out. He was lights out, down for the count. And that jab that he threw just before the right, I just watched the replay now, putting the highlights up on newsub.co.nz. He just he touched him with that jab. He just, he almost pulled him with the jab. He just wanted to feel that distance because he knew what was coming next. And you could see Brazil's eyes. They did a super slow-mo uh, replay. And you could see Brazil's eyes almost like, oh, shit. And like you know that he he could see that punch coming, but at that point there's nothing he could do about it. He couldn't get out of the way of it. And look, I just love heavyweight boxing right now. I think it's so exciting. Wilder is a is a crazy cat. Uh, he says a lot of stuff. I mean, earlier what last week he was saying if he dies if he if he dies he dies to quote to quote Drago from the Rocky movies. And he talked about how he hasn't got a body on his record yet. He did apologize pretty much after the fight. He embraced Brazil. They squashed their beef, and he said it's all about you know like building up the fight and stuff like that but I really like what he brings he's a showman he's a showman like that ring walk took like about five minutes longer than the fight did but he's so good for the heavyweight division and keeping hold of that belt with this juicy matchup with Joshua in the pipeline it, it, it leads to even more excitement well you alluded to a very good fact too that the commentators were picking up on this that AJ took seven rounds to stop Brazil uh, Deontay only took one so yeah. you know that's that's right there putting a, a statement out there that there is a power difference it's their first common opponent as well so that, this is the first time we've been able to sort of sit back and, and compare their, their results against guys and yeah look styles make fights you know that more than me uh, and you know who's to say that if Joshua didn't fight Brazil again he wouldn't put him away in just as quick as I think Joshua's a lot more of a cautious fighter as we saw in the Joseph Parker fight I think you know he's looking after himself and I do believe that he probably feels that his chin isn't quite as good as it could be and he doesn't want to get hit Wilder's proven that he can take a punch he was rocked against Ortiz 
multiple times, came back, knocked him out. I think um, Stavern rocked him in, in a fight earlier in his career. Tyson Fury had him in trouble, but and even today, uh, as you said, like uh, Brazil, like cracked him with a couple of of overhand rights when he was in desperation mode, and it got. Wilder backing up, so you know we know he can get hurt, but he can take a punch. But I just I, those hands are just dynamite. Well, the question now remains: do the do the crowd, do the fans want to see him fight Fury again, or do they want to see this, like you said, that juicy matchup with AJ? And I, I feel that the Fury fight will happen before hmm. AJ, even though I want to see the AJ fight. The AJ fight does make sense, but it seems like they just can't quite get the paperwork done to make it happen. It's so tricky, though, with uh, with what's happening in the world of boxing at the moment with all these different, like, you've got ESPN, you've got Showtime, you've got uh, Eddie Hearn, you've got uh, the Fury camp as well have their own sort of organization over there in the UK. So you've got a lot of different promoters that all want their piece of the pie. Um, I did read something recently that apparently Showtime might be getting out of fight sports um, in the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see where Wilder ends up when that happens but yeah just a really interesting time for heavyweight boxing and, and we, we you know we've got a couple of more fights to look forward to in the not too distant future Deontay uh, uh, sorry Anthony Joshua is fighting Andy Ruiz Jr we've got Oscar Rivas versus Dillian White and uh, Tom Schwartz from Germany undefeated fighting Tyson Fury um, so we'll have a better understanding of the, the whole grasp of heavyweight boxing um, in about two months time still no fight for Joseph Parker yeah, look, it's, the, the heavyweight scene is absolutely electric, and it's, it's more alive than it's ever been, you know, just with the dynamics, the different promotions, the different um, styles and fights. But I think, like we just alluded to, there are a, a couple of things that need to happen before we get a bit of cement in, in the heavyweight division. Joseph Parker, I'd love to see him uh, fight soon. I know something could be on the cards in the next sort of two to four months. Uh, he really does need to get back into that scene because, as we're talking, and you just mentioned Ruiz, you know, two years ago, three years ago, Ruiz just lost that, that title shot. Now he's back in the scene, back in the limelight. Absolutely. And apparently Junior Farr also heading over very shortly to train with Tyson Fury ahead of his fight. So Junior Farr getting in some real quality sparring. Uh, he's a heavyweight on the rise, ladies and gentlemen. Watch the space on Junior Farr. Now that he's, uh, he's illness-free, his body is good. Uh, he's beaten Joseph Parker in the amateurs. We know that he's capable. He's he's uh, shared the ring with Anthony Joshua, inspiring Deontay Wilder and potentially Tyson Fury. So watch this space on Junior Farr. Maybe a future matchup with Joseph Parker on the cards. Staying with the local scene, uh, last night, Saturday night on Sky Television, David Light, who has Commonwealth Games pedigree, uh, winning the uh, WBO Oriental Cruiserweight Championship. And we've seen guys like Joseph Parker and Shane Cameron and the like hold Oriental bouts in the past. So it is a pathway to getting these bigger fights. Uh, what a fight that was. Obviously, it was Sky TV over there. We had Monty and Mike Angove on the mic. And we were, we were watching backstage, taking notes, getting those post-interviews. But what a fight it was. I've never seen the ABA so electric. And David Light, he's, you know, he's been on a bit of a trajectory for the last couple of years now. Everything's been relatively strategic. And saying that, without risk, there's no reward. So last night's fight was definitely one of his hardest opponents. Bam Bam or Mark Bam Bam Flanagan, great Australian boxer. He's actually held the WBO Oriental title in the... Uh, sorry, light heavyweight, a, a drop below. So this was no joke. Yeah, it, it went the distance, but David Light got there in there. He had a majority of the rounds. However, Bam Bam didn't make it easy for him. Very strong opponent. And uh, now that takes David Light into top 15 world category awesome. contention 
Usk is probably the most memorable name from the Cruiserweight who fought Bellew. Who potentially is a future opponent for the four aforementioned heavyweights. Uh, Usk moving up to heavyweight for his next fight by all accounts. Exactly. So look, looking at the Australian world scene, there's a lot of names in the Cruiserweight category that not many people know of, but Jay Apatia, who recently fought Smile Nervosa yep. uh, this week in, in Sydney, uh, would be a really good matchup. We did ask him about that last night. He he was uh, humming and hiring. Uh, we did obviously mention Usk, but you did say too that Usk is probably... Mis- Moving up to the heavyweight division. And interesting about that sort of division just below heavyweight, uh, super cruiserweight. Is that what? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got Evander Holyfield, Michael Mora. Like, there's there's a there's a history of heavyweight champions sort of uh, biding their time fighting in that division before moving up to heavyweight. And and Usk is the next one. A lot of people believe he is the perfect stylistic opponent for Joshua. So watch the space on that. Uh, just while we're staying on on the Kiwis, you mentioned David Light. What's the latest with David Nika? Where's he at? With uh, I know that he's He's training hard for the Olympics. He's potentially, uh, you know, wanting to be an Olympic champion. But a lot of pressure on that guy to turn professional, isn't there? Because a lot of people feel that he could be a world champion. Oh, look, you, you couldn't have said any better, uh, Brad. He's, he's, at, he's in the prime of his life, and he is going for that gold again. But some would say, hey, why why not stop that? Go for your pro, pro ranks, start making you know money, or hey, while, while the sun shines. He is going to go for that gold. That will increase his marketability, his value, if he does get that gold. But... You know, if the Olympics been quite far away, it leaves us just just hanging there, waiting, mm. anticipating his next fight. You know, he does fight globally around the world. He he does rack up those those fights. But I would personally like to see him go pro. But he is chasing that gold. He spent some time with City Kickboxing, uh, helping uh, Israel train for Anderson Silva of all, all people. And Israel said he's the one guy that he sparred with, where he kind of felt like. His opponent. Normally, Israel feels like he intimidates his opponents in sparring. He kind of felt that that David Nika was not intimidated by anything that Israel was throwing his way, and he said they they would they almost had a, a battle of one upsmanship. Like you throw a right hook, I'm going to throw you a right hook. You know, like so. Uh, yeah, David Nika, very very skilled fighter. Like I may or may not have seen some of those videos, but uh, <laughs> let's just say uh, probably people paid top dollar to see it. And Dave Nickett, look, you know that saying, some people are born with it, whether it be dancing, other areas of life. Israel's Richie McCaw born to play rugby. Exactly. Yeah. And look, the thing is, it's, it, you're going to, if you're going to spar Nickett, you're going to his world. So kudos to, to Israel to do that. However, he does move so differently. Even when you see him in the amateurs, he did fight uh, one of the top Australian fighters recently. And he just made easy work of him. He, he just sort of operates on a different scale, different level and Personally, I can't wait to see him go pro, but he, he probably does want to get that gold prior. When his body fills out, what weight class would you envision seeing a guy like David Nika fight at? Heavyweight. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, and David Light poten- um, potentially heavyweight as well? Yes. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, no, obviously he's not as tall yeah. uh, as Nika, but yeah. Nika, you know, he's, he's got that frame. And like you said, as you grow older, you do fill out. Yeah. He's got the gift of the gab. He's got the look. You know, he could He's do in all. tremendous shape. Like, my God, I watched him uh, last year at the Com Games, and he just looked a step better than anyone else in that ring, and, and he put on phenomenal performances at the Com Games. Uh, that's, that's exciting. Names to look out for. David Light, David Nika. It's not just your Joseph Parkers and your Junior Fars that are, are making names in uh, boxing as we speak. Uh, and Kane Conlon, uh, Turf Wars, kind of like your uh, King in the Ring type tournament. Tell us a little bit about Turf Wars. Where uh, can people see it? Uh, obviously, uh, we had a winner last night in Kane Conlon. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Kane Conlon, look, he... Uh He's a veteran in the sport. You know, he's had multiple kickboxing fights, started off at Strikeforce Gym. Uh, 
even as, as far as he's got a contract with a Japanese Lithway outfit. So right. Lithway is bare knuckle or Burmese boxing, and the ultimate aim of that is to knock the other guy out. So in these rules, yeah. if you don't knock the other guy out, it goes to draw, yeah. or there's no winner. So <laughs> that's the name of the game, and they don't wear gloves. They just they wrap up their hands. So Brutal. This, this guy's a tough customer, and he's, he's quite well-known in the, in the sport. However, the guy who's fighting Sam the Shank Hill, also a veteran and uh, well-known in his own right. So this fight last night was really to see who... You know, was the best of the two in that sort of super welterweight area. And Kane took it away, took the win, and only only good things to come. I love this. the name Turf Wars. It's a it, it sounds like a New Zealand independent type of promotional thing. You know, like the old. Tur- it just it just it sounds very Kiwi, doesn't it? Well, that's the thing too. And I mean, Greg Greg Nisbet and those boys out on the shore run a good uh, good show in that sense. And Greg's you know former ETK boy. He knows the stuff. He's uh Quite vocal too. I think I don't know if you've seen on Sky Sport. They put the camera on him uh, when he's been coaching some of the Ead boys, mm-hmm. and yeah, they didn't get to censor him um, quick enough. And yeah, let's just say there's a few memes after that. He's a very vocal <laughs> guy, very vocal coach. But that's what we love about these um, these grassroots guys. Turf Wars is uh, probably up to its six or seven show now. It's wow. continued going. You can catch all these fights on YouTube, so you go see that if you want to see the replay of that. And, uh, you know, we've been watching closely the career of J.J. Wilson, who's now, of course, in Bellator, uh, and he is an alum of Shuriken, and they've got an event coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Shuriken 25, oh, on the 25th of May, next next week on the the shore. That's run by Jason Vorster. So now, explain to the audience who might not know a little bit about Shuriken. Well, so Shuriken is a um, an MMA event organization that's probably been going for over five years now, and it's a gateway, like you said, just into the Bellators, the other, the One FCs, championships around the world. They've also got a strong link with the IMMA, IMAF that that's yep. hosted off in Las Vegas. So it's a really good entry to stardom. If you you know you're starting out from the grassroots, and they have different categories in terms of uh, rules allowed. So if you're starting off in the lower ranks, there's no um, knees to the head, elbows, mm-hmm. etc. It just goes up from there. So it's a good gateway to slowly get people into MMA. Now with this show next week, we've got two uh, showdowns with uh, one's an amateur lightweight title between Anthony Pochin and Taylor Watiri, and the pro middleweight against Julius Poanga and Bob Armstrong. So it's going to be an absolute cracker. And where, where can people catch that, uh, get tickets, all that sort of stuff for Shuriken? So you just go to the Shuriken website, find them on Facebook, and go to the link and either buy them from there or you can turn up on the night. Awesome, awesome. That's an event you'd, you'd recommend for people to check out? Oh, it's going to be a great one. Jason Forster puts on a good show. It's always going to be a good night when uh, he puts together a night of fights. We've seen in the uh, current landscape of New Zealand television, Isaac, there is potentially going to be a war between Spark Sport and Sky Sport. I wonder if one of those organisations tries to target little like regional competitions like this, if it might be a good avenue. I know Māori TV's done a little bit of that in the past, and even Sky itself at some point had had, had coverage of some, some local MMA and stuff. They do King in the Ring, of course. I wonder if there's an untapped market here um, with combat sports being such a a, um, a growing sport, and Israel Adesanya sort of bringing more eyes to the sport. If there's an opportunity for a Spark Sport or a Sky Sport just to start covering the stuff from, from start to finish. Well, you make a good point, because I, I forgot to even mention last week, but I got to catch up with Rich Frank and the one wow. championship boys when they're over here and they've bit me to it because the first episode's already out and you 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 just nailed it that they are coming over here they're finding that the Kiwi and fighters, they've been picked up by Spark uh, by Spark correct. haven't they yeah, yeah. And I, that yeah. could have been the whole point of the meeting but they have also got a couple of One Warrior series out there and Viet Do who is from Shuriken 
multiple title weight uh, holder across um, a couple of lighter weights, was featured on the first New Zealand show. So Rich Franklin came over here, they did a bit of filming, but also too to sign on a couple of fighters. So we talked about Kieran Joblin, who actually went over to the Sydney trials. But the guys signed from New Zealand were Viet Do and another guy called Joey Balin. Nice. Joey Balin is a very experienced kickboxer, now starting to get his, uh, his groundwork in, in a sense. But... Look, there is, a, there is a niche for that. Spark are capitalising on it early, but you're seeing Sky Sports undercover these boxing events, King of the Ring. I do feel a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a duke-off or a battle of um, who can get more market share of this fight game. Yeah, and, and one worry is, is a pathway to one championship, of course. It's probably similar to Dana White's Contender Series or the Ultimate Fighter. Nyrene Crowley, of course, New Zealand fighter out of Bali MMA, is competing on that. She lost her last fight, had won her first one. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, there's a couple of other Kiwis that are there or thereabouts, but that's really exciting news. Um, so, Rich, Franklin, tell me a little bit about that former UFC middleweight champion. I always felt with Rich Isaac, I always felt that if Anderson Silva was never born, Rich Franklin would have dominated the UFC middleweight division for a decade. Hard to believe there is a mathematic teacher before he went into absolutely. Now he's just it just been named Hall of Famer. Pretty uh, interesting that. The one uh, UFC covered that, considering their biggest competitor, one of them could be one FC in the future. Correct. But it just goes to show the caliber of the guy. And what you see on camera was what you see in real life. You know, getting to meet him, talk to him, chat about all of his journeys was incredible. Just the guy's diet alone is crazy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's a bit of a carb-free freak. I did I did ask him what it, what it consists of. And that, that morning, he'd had eight egg whites and two avocados with a black coffee. I mean... Just seeing the guy in real life, uh, you, you sort of get what I mean. But he's he's an all-around good guy, and he's here for the sport and constantly traveling, growing the sport, doing these filmings, obviously here and across, and um, really putting the Kiwi names out there. I mean, Viet Do is now worldwide, sort of, he's, mm-hmm. he's gone to worldwide status after after that first episode. Joey, uh, Balin, Punya, Sai. We've got Ev Ting in one championship as well, of course. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he's, he came over... He uh, experienced a bit of Kiwiana, uh, you know, rafting, bungee jumping, fishing, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, he's just an all-around good dude. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and interesting, I did hear a story at one point that uh, Rich Franklin had his eyes on an executive role within the UFC and Dana White at the time when the UFC was still run by the Fatitas uh, and Zufa kind of told him to maybe go and uh, get a little bit of experience somewhere else. And Dana and Rich, by all accounts, are still actually quite tight. They're still very good friends, and there's no beef between those two guys. So I wonder if this could end up backfiring on Dana. Like, Rich is obviously doing great things with one championship. He's, the, I guess he's the American face or their Western face of one championship. He's the face that all American uh, and, and Australasian combat fans would would um, would, would identify with. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, yeah, I wonder if this could end up backfiring um, for Dana White down the line if, if one championship which is bigger than the UFC in Asia we'll just, uh, you know like a, you know and and has is, is just signed a massive deal with the zone uh, in the US which is a massive streaming service uh, which is competing there's a big streaming war going on in the US for combat sports at the moment so yeah I wonder if uh, if, if Franklin versus white could be a, could be a battle I'd down the line that fight. look at look at Eddie Alvarez Demetrius Johnson Sage Northcutt recently just getting chinned he got knocked the F out he did 39 seconds footy's going to be crushed when I speak to him about that but if you you know, if you know the game, you know Cosmos. He's one of the most experienced Muay Thai fighters out there. I'm surprised Sage didn't take the ground, but it just goes through the caliber of one. And you know, we're talking about the entry level events across New Zealand. They all start somewhere. By Rich coming over and doing this, eventually we're going to see more and more Kiwis on the, these platforms. And that's what it's all about. It's all about creating pathways for Kiwi fighters. It's just an exciting time that we live in, folks. Uh, loving mixed martial arts, boxing, combat sports, whatever uh, in New Zealand. Isaac, thank you so much for your time. Anything else you want to add today? 
No, just shout out to everyone else. So just a quick shout out to Andre Mikhailovich. He also fought last night. He's a, he's a rise. He's a up, up and comer. He's got a kid on the way, and um, I really look forward to seeing all his future fights. And yeah, he's one hell of a fighter. Give us a like and a subscribe, Ivan. Cheers. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Isaac. Cheers. The Fight Club Podcast. Heavy hitters. And we'll catch up with Isaac again in a couple of weeks' time uh, with more and more events happening uh, locally in New Zealand. And, of course, Isaac has expertise, expertise, I beg your pardon, when it comes to -to hand-to-hand combat. Uh, So we'll get his take on a few of the interesting stories making news around the world in combat sports. Uh, For more from Isaac, you can check out New Zealand Fighter .co.nz, uh, New Zealand's first combat sports MMA page. Uh, check that out. Uh, New Zealand Fighter.co.nz. That's New Zealand Fighter.co.nz. Coming up on the Fight Club podcast, we'll switch to the world of sports entertainment and the Southern Rumble event uh, happening on the 13th of July this year, thanks to SPW out of Southland and MCW out of Melbourne. The Fight Club podcast, the big names. July 13th, uh, SBW and MCW will promote the Southern Rumble event from ILT Stadium in Southland. Uh, it's also going to be broadcast on TVNZ, which is really, really cool for all you sports entertainment local fans out there. And tickets currently on sale at ticketdirect.co.nz, I beg your pardon. Joining me on the line right now is co-promoter Troy Crosby. Uh, Troy, welcome to Fight Club. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, absolute pleasure, mate. Look, this is pretty cool, and we have a really cool uh, announcement, well, information that WWE NXT UK superstar Travis Banks will be heading home for the event. That is amazing. It's phenomenal way. It's uh, really, really exciting for us. Yeah, and I mean, like, Travis obviously has a massive history here. We know his story um, from, from I think, Gore of all places uh, to a to a little gym in Auckland and now appearing on the on the big stages of, of NXT UK. Um, and just to have him back, I guess, will draw a few more fans to the event. Indeed, yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky to get this one across the line, to be fair. Like, not many, not many promotions nowadays can get WWE-signed talent. So, yeah, it was a lot of work to get it across the line, but... Obviously, phenomenal for us. Bloody good job, mate. And tell me a little bit about the Southern Rumble and, and awesome that it's going to be broadcast on TVNZ Duke as well. I think that's fantastic news for sports entertainment, for, for local uh, independent shows like yourself. Tell me about the Southern Rumble. It's got a, a pretty good history as well with an event last year, of course, as well. Yeah, last year we had the, the Southern Rumble, which is, uh, I think it was last year was the third one. Uh, first time at the stadium last year, 2018, and yeah, history-making show from New Zealand, over two, uh, 1,200 people through the doors, Fantastic. and by all accounts, this year is gonna, going to be a lot better, obviously, with <laughs> with the likes of Travis Banks, and having a co- collaboration with WWE always helps, so... So for you, Troy, where did uh, where did promoting wrestling come in, <laughs> come into your life, Matt? How did that all come about? <laughs> so um, when I uh, come back from training in in Canada, I uh, I met with Mark Perry out of Queenstown, and he he sort of taught me what was going on in New Zealand in terms of wrestling. So we would wrestle up and down the country, and after a few years, we just we just got talking and we're just sick of traveling up and down the country for, for shows that, you know, we thought we could do a little bit differently. And, mm. and um, yeah, that's why we started uh, SPW down in Invercargill. It was a very unique market in the sense that it hasn't really, it didn't have wrestling in Invercargill for, I think it was like 27 years at that point. Yeah. And 
yeah, they were just and because was a place where there's not a lot going on at any one time. So to have another form of entertainment that can draw people in is is really exciting. So we've really had a had a good following from day one, and it just continues to grow. And we all know we all know how crazy you guys are down there. The Southern Steel, probably the most uh, raucous crowd in the ANZ Premiership netball. So I can only imagine what the wrestling fans are like, Troy. It's unbelievable. It's the, the Southern fans are some of the best in the country. Um, they they really get behind anything anything of their own. So they've just latched onto the wrestling, and it's yeah, gone from strength to strength. How competitive, uh, Troy, is the independent uh, scene in New Zealand? IPW up in Auckland's been around for a long, long time, and you know, uh, with alum like the likes of Dakota Kai, who's currently in the NXT uh, universe, so to speak. Is there a, is it is it like the old territory days in the US, where it's pretty competitive, or are you guys all amicable and you try and share talent? How does it all work? Yeah, well, we we're actually quite uh, quite closely linked with IPW. Obviously, they've been around for a lot longer than us, and sort of sort of set the standard back in the day to allow people like us to really take full force. So our first show, we had a lot of talent from IPW, obviously, because there's only myself and, and Mark down here. So yeah. from from day one, we've had that strong relationship with them. And like last, I think the last show, we had um, The Hooligan and J.K. Moody up at Auckland. So yeah. it, it's sharing talent is quite common for us. And uh, MCW from out of Melbourne, uh, which of course famous for where Buddy Murphy, current NXT superstar, came from. Uh, also, TM61 um, have MCW background. So does Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, uh, another fantastic independent wrestling organisation. Uh, so, what sort of role will they play in, in the Southern Southern Rumble event come the 13th of July? Yeah, we're very lucky to be teamed up with um, MCW as well. So we've had a relationship with them for. Uh, a better part of a year or two, and sharing talent across across over here, and sending a few guys over to MCW. And yeah, we're going to have a, a selection of the best of Australian wrestlers on hand at the ILT Stadium South on July 13. So MCW are bringing their best, and they're going up against SBW's best, and that's that's what this culmination at the stadium is going to be all about. It sounds super exciting, and and look. Uh Professional wrestling is about to potentially hit another golden era when you look at what Cody Rhodes is doing with with AEW uh, and you know competition for WWE in the US can only be a good thing. The independent scene in the UK has never been as strong as it is now, and there's a lot of Kiwis over there doing great things. We've got Kiwis over there in New Japan as part of the Bullet Club, of course. For for the local talent in New Zealand. Is there really now something to aspire to to get themselves out there to get themselves noticed on YouTube and to maybe get picked up by by a British promoter to to get more of a, a following over there in the UK, so to speak? Yeah, I think like nowadays is the best time to be a professional wrestler. You can you've got access to so much, so many fans around the world that can log in from a computer and see you. You don't need to fly across the world to see. SBW, like we we uh, we have quite a strong following in in UK as well as Australia and Japan and even America. So we've got we've got guys around the world that are that are watching us. So for our guys to be put on a stage in front of twelve fifteen hundred people to be viewed across the country in front of everyone, obviously that's that's great for their personal wrestling brand. And then further step on from that with 
with the waves that we got from the first stadium show, I can imagine this one's going to be even bigger, so it's going to be seen by a lot more eyes around the world. So New Zealand wrestling is, I'm not saying it's going to boom. I think I think it's going to continue to grow. I, yeah. And who, well, who knows? <laughs> really, who knows what's yeah. going to happen? And look, as I mentioned earlier, look, they're a competitor of ours, but I'm happy to give them the plug. Uh, the event will be aired on TVNZ Duke. Uh, and also, I think what's really exciting for you guys is it's going to be streamed on TVNZ On Demand. A lot of people might not have access to television. So to be able to stream that on a platform like TVNZ On Demand, again, is exciting for you guys. How did that deal come about with TVNZ? Was that a matter of you guys approaching them or, or how did that relationship sort of start? Uh, so that come about from uh, a project that we at SPW have been working on for probably the better part of a year, and we we approached them and went to conferences and had meetings with some of the TV people around around the country. And what they come back to us was with was they want they want content, they want something. They seen what we were able to put on with the stadium last year, yeah. so they said, look, we want obviously we want to get this in front of as many people as we can, so when someone tells you that, of course we're going to happily oblige, so exciting times. Absolutely. Alright, Troy, our Southern Rumble, 13th of July 2019, just confirming again uh, tickets at ticketdirect.co.nz uh, I can imagine if there's, if there's anything you want to say to the fans out there about what type of night they can experience come uh, July 13th? Uh Wrestling is great at the moment. SBW wrestling is is insane. Uh, you need to get there live to see it. There's no better experience. So get your tickets, get to Invercargill Southern Rumble 2019. Absolutely, and a chance to also see the Kiwi buzzsaw Travis Banks, as, as Troy alluded to, very, very rare that you get an NXT WWE superstar on New Zealand shores. Uh, that is the Southern Rumble, uh, July 13th. Tickets at ticketdirect.co.nz. The Fight Club Podcast with Brad Lewis and Stephen Foote. Okay, guys, that just about does us for another week here on the Fight Club Podcast with just a few bits and pieces making news in the world of combat sports and the WWE. For all you WWE fans, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view took place on Monday, uh, New Zealand time. The big news coming out of that was Brock Lesnar <laughs> making his return to the WWE and winning the Money in the Bank ladder match to give himself a guaranteed title fight any time he so chooses or any time the story writers choose uh, in the next 12 months. Uh, there are little rumors spurting around that that will be in Saudi Arabia uh, next month at the Super Showdown pay-per-view uh, that he will uh, cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase and take on Seth Rollins. If the WWE switched that title back to Brock Lesnar, the internet world is going to go into meltdown. That is a word of warning for you out there, WWE. Uh, while I'm on WWE, Buddy Murphy, uh, Australian superstar, will be on the show next week. Looking forward to that. Of course, WWE announcing on Wednesday that they will be touring Australia again on October. No New Zealand tour uh, to report, unfortunately, but Sydney, Perth, and I believe Melbourne uh, will be hosting events. Uh, sorry, Sydney, Perth, and Brisbane will be ho- hosting events uh, coming up in October. Um, we'll give you some details next week on where you can buy tickets to those events. Buddy Murphy, of course, winning the Cruiserweight Championship at the Melbourne Super Showdown last year. Uh, he lost that title at WrestleMania, uh, but he's now been shifted to the SmackDown roster, so we'll have a bit of a chat to him about that and how all that's shaping up for him. Uh, kind of like a uh, a small fish in a very big pond now after being the big fish in the small pond when he was on 205 Live. So uh, I guess it's probably a juggling act for Buddy to make himself 
I guess, stand out uh, in, as I said, a very, very big pond of um, unbelievable talent that is the SmackDown roster. Elsewhere on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, we had Seth Rollins beating AJ Styles for the Universal Championship. Kofi Kingston uh, beat Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. And Bayley won the women's uh, Money in the Bank match and then cashed it in later on that night when Becky Lynch lost to Charlotte Flair. Uh, Sorry, yeah, Becky Lynch lost to Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship after beating Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, So Bayley is your new SmackDown Women's champion after cashing in successfully against Charlotte Flair at the Money in the Bank pay per view on Monday, uh, New Zealand time. Across in the combat sports world, of course, Rafael dos Santos, uh, he was too good for Kevin Lee on uh, Sunday, uh, just basically shutting out Kevin Lee over the course of the first couple of rounds and then getting finished with an arm trial triangle uh, in round three. So a big win for Rafael dos Santos as he looks to, I guess, sort of reinvent himself or reposition himself he's not sure if he's going to be at lightweight or welterweight I think a welterweight run is probably more in him given the fact that he's such a big guy but we'll see how that plays out and Junior DeSantos and Francis Ngannou were scheduled to fight in a fight night in a couple of weeks time on UFC on ESPN that matchup has been moved to UFC 239 it is a heavyweight title eliminator you would think Uh, Tyron Woodley of course has withdrawn from his matchup with Robbie Lawler, which was going to be a feature match on that card, uh, sort of slotted in the number three spot on what is looking like a, a fairly stacked card, uh, UFC 239. Uh, but Junior DeSantos and Francis Ngannou will now uh, clash in a huge, huge matchup uh, in the heavyweight division. The winner of that, you would think, uh, would likely meet the winner of the Stipe Miocic-Daniel Cormier matchup that's happening in October. Uh, should be a classic both those fights and Gano and Desanos uh, don't blink in that one folks because I don't think it's going it's going to last long I'm um, also interested that Paul Malaginagi the boxer who of course uh, used to spar with Conor McGregor in the build-up to Conor McGregor's uh, boxing debut against Floyd Mayweather he is taking on Artem Lobov a training partner of Conor McGregor um, in the bare knuckle fighting championship uh, he spat at Lobov during the press conference, which, you know, I guess they've talked about how they're trying to sell the fight, but come on, man, like, a bit more class than that. You're a former boxing world champion, I think. He obviously has uh, quite the disdain for combat sports and combat sports athletes, uh, but I think uh, spitting at your future opponent, probably not the smartest move from a guy who represents uh, Showtime as a commentator. Uh, yeah, can't say... <laughs> Can't say I agree with that one, uh, but whatever floats your boat, Mr. Malajanaji. Uh, that's it for another week here on the Fight Club Podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the show, guys, jump back into uh, our archives and have a listen to any of our previous episodes. Just go to www.newshub.co.nz forward slash podcast. Check out the Fight Club link there. Click on that, uh, and all of those episodes will pop up for you, and also on SoundCloud and iTunes and all of your uh, all of your podcast apps, uh, our archive episodes are there available for download and to listen. Um, please, if you like what you hear, chuck us a subscribe, give us a like, give us a rating. I really do appreciate it. If you get in touch with me at Twitter, 
Uh, just direct message me at Brad Lewis NZ. That's at Brad Lewis NZ. Um, I'll send you out a cool little prize pack, uh, courtesy of my friends at WWE, uh, at Brad Lewis NZ on Twitter. Thank you so much uh, for listening. We'll be back on board next week. Uh, and as I said earlier, Buddy Murphy, WWE superstar, will be our feature interview next week. Um, we'll also cover off the happenings in the world of combat sports and UFC and one championship. Make sure you jump on newshub.co.nz. Check out Footy's Yarn with Kieran Joblin. Uh, who is uh, potentially the next big thing in New Zealand mixed martial arts. He is well and truly on his way to potentially fighting in one championship, as Isaac alluded to early in the show. Uh, Stephen's done a really cool feature piece uh, with uh, Kieran on that. So uh, Kieran Joblin, watch this space on him. Have a read of the uh, footage piece. Get to, lo- get to know a little bit more about who the stone cutter is, Kieran Joblin, and what is with these cool nicknames of these New Zealand fighters. You know, don't blink Kaikara France. The last style bender Israel Asanya, the hangman Dan Hooker, the stonecutter Kieran Joblin, the Jedi is out there, you know, like they've all got these cool names. Much, much cooler than Robert Whittaker, the Reaper. Sounds like a wrestler. Come on, Rob. It's Bobby Knuckles all day. Thank you, guys. We'll be back on board next week. Uh, we'll see you then here on the Fight Club Podcast.